Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Good morning. Today, uh, we are finishing up our all the things I've been teaching on being connected to the world and this particular year starting in January possession your possessions we ended with a message Sunday before last on extracting joy from our trials well this is the second part of that message and it's the last part of it and I want you to really think about that because it's very important that how do we really extract joy during trials because it's, it's a real thing. We go, we're going to go through things. No doubt about it. We're going through things. We're going through things now. Everyone, everyone should be probably going through something uh, that they might not want to be going through. How do you do it with joy? And we're going to talk about that today because it has a direct relationship into what people see in the workplace. Do they see a person that's not affected like the world is, like they might be, with situations that go on at work? Do they see a difference in you? Do they see joy when you shouldn't have joy? Do they ask you, why are you smiling? Why are you not being affected like we are about this situation that's going on at work? Are they coming to you wanting to know the hope that's in you? That's real life. And God teaches that in the word of God. So we're going to dive right into that as soon as we review. Sunday before last, I gave you three things. How to extract joy from your situation. First of all, I said you must be born again. Obviously, you must be born again because one of those uh, also was that how are you going to extract joy from situations when joy is a spiritual thing? It's not a worldly thing. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from the spirit realm. So we have to be born again. Number two, we said you need to renew your mind. You must renew your mind about those situations because God's word tells us about joy. It tells us what God says about joy. We want to know what God says. Just like we want to know what he says about peace. He says that that. Peace I leave with you, not that the world gives you, I give you. So if he's given peace that not the world is not given, how do you have joy that the world is not given? We went over Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 22, when it says this fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So if, if the fruit of the Spirit or the result of the Spirit living inside of us is joy, why don't we have joy in our situations? So we went over those, those things. And the third thing I said that it's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. It's from the spirit realm. We are citizens of another world. Our citizenship is in heaven. So therefore, we talked about those three things. Now today, I'll give you two things. First of all, let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's go there. Chapter 28, verse 47. I believe that in order to extract joy from our trials, we must be a thankful people. Let's read it in verse 47. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Because you did not serve 
the Lord your God with joy and a glad heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord shall send upon you against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in lack of all things. And he will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. Now, this is what he was telling Israel in the old on an old covenant, he's telling them this. We had the blessings that was found in, of course, Deuteronomy 28, um, 2, 1, 2 through 14. We had the blessings. And everyone loves the blessings. But we don't want to glean from, well, what is he telling us we need to do? Well, we're not, uh, we don't have to be concerned about uh, being under a curse or things like that. But we, what we do have to be concerned about is, what is God's heart? On this thing. What is his will? You remember we talked about in, in, in Colossians chapter 1. We said that uh, we need to be filled or full of the will of God. We need, we, we need to know his will, don't we? And see, his will hasn't changed. Do you think that his will is that, hey, I want you to complain about everything, anything, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's okay. We're under grace, brothers. Just, just keep complaining. Do you do that with your children? No, you don't tell them that. You are teaching most of the time, son, daughter, you should be thankful. Right? Even on Christmas time, just think about it. Sometimes we, we give gifts and, and, and uh, we can't find what they really wanted. They sold out by the time we got there. And of all the things you give them, you don't want them coming. You didn't get me the doll I wanted. I don't want any of it then. You say, well, wait, why don't you be thankful? Right? We want thankful children, don't we? God wants thankful children. He really does. And it, it starts, and so that's where I, I gleaned from this. I said, when I read this, I underlined it, I put it in red, I circled it. And I said, I want to serve the Lord, my God, with joy. That's what I want to do. God, help me serve, serve you with joy because I know I don't feel joyful all the time. Help me to serve you with joy and a glad heart. And then he says, for the abundance of all things. We could go along in this congregation today and talk to you one by one and finish out the whole message just on that. Is Tell me something you're, you're thankful for. Tell me something that God has done for you. And we could go along all around. I guarantee you could, you, we could fill up the rest of the time. Because you could say, thank you, Father, for, for my eyesight. Thank you that I have two eyes. Right? Thank you, Father, for my nose. Thank you that I can breathe through my nose. Thank you that I don't, don't have aller- allergies. Or if you do have allergies, so thankful that they, even though I have aller- allergies, they, hey, they give me some medicine for them. I mean, anything. Can't, can't, do we have an abundance of things? Abundance of things. Think of, think of every vessel in your body, every organ in your body, every cell in your body. God is causing those things to operate. If they're operating at all, he causes it to operate. Everything he's upholding with the word of his power, isn't he? The breath of our, that we breathe is because of God. If I can stand erect, it's because of God. You said, no, it's because of muscles. Well, who gave me the muscles? 
for, my, for me to be able to stand. It's God. It's God. It's God. We can go on as God. Isn't it God? Why don't we really think about that then? That, oh, I, I need to serve the Lord with a glad heart for the abundance of things that he's done for me. If we have that type of attitude, the little things that happen to us along the way, we can put it in proper perspective. Because we are so thankful. But when you have a, a, a people that's not thankful, then anything causes us to lose our joy. Anything causes us to grumble and complain. Because we are not thankful for the abundance of things that he does for us. That's very important. So I said, number one was we need to be born again. Number two, that we need to be able to uh, see what God says about joy. That's one of the things we just went over. You can say those things. Uh, number three, we said, well, well, you definitely need to know that the joy is, is a spiritual thing. It's from the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not from the world system. It's not because everything goes hunkered over. It's not because you plan a picnic today and uh, you say, well, oh, my goodness gracious, it's raining. It's not a good day today, you know. Uh, no, no, no. Be thankful that you're alive today. You can eat inside. You know, hey, you know, if you were dead, you couldn't eat at all. You know? So we can be thankful about some things, can't we? Oh, yeah. It's not from our circumstances. And, of course, we need to serve God with, a, with joy and a glad heart. Number five. And the last one that I wanted to go over today, and I wanted to save it the last because it's so, so important. I mean, it is so important. Well, write it down somewhere. I mean, it, just have it in your mind. It is so, so important, this one thing. You must have purpose. You must know your purpose. You must know your purpose for existing. You must know it. You must know it. That will help you tremendously to have joy in the midst of your circumstances. You say, I don't know about that. Well, you remember last week I said that we were starting off with uh, Isaiah 43, 7. I said next week we might start off with the same thing, God willing. Well, let's go there, Isaiah 43. Let's look there, verse 7. Now, in, in that verse, it gives you something that we all know. And if I ask, you should, I should be to ask any teenager, ask any child that's six years old and above that can talk, why were you created? They should be able to tell. Because you should be telling your children you were created for this. Let's look at it in verse 7 here. Oh, let's start in verse 6. It says, I will say to the north, give up. Then he's talking about Israel. He's talking about Israel. They went in captivity, of course. And he's, he's, uh, uh, God's always, always, he's so good. He's so merciful. He's always telling them the good things, even though in the midst of the bad things, he's telling them the good things. He said, that, uh, I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, and whom I have created. Who did he not create? He created everybody, didn't he? He created everybody. Whom I have created for my glory. For my glory. So, I should be to ask next week, 
stop being a child. Why were you created? And they should say, okay, for the glory of God, right? Right? They should be able to say that. And I ask you, why were you created? For the glory of God. That's why we were created. We were created for the glory of God. Not our own glory, for the glory of God. Not our children's glory, not our parents' glory, not our job's glory, for the glory of God. That's why we were created. Now, that's a general thing that everybody was created for. Now we want to get more specific. But why are you here in Lynchburg? Why are you where you are at your job? Where, why, why are you where you are? What purpose does he have you? Everything you do is going to bring glory to God. What you say, what you do, where you go, everything is done for the glory of God. We know that. But the, what's his purpose for you, though? Are we just going to lay in bed for the glory of God? Right? We got to do something, right? What's, it, what's, what's your purpose? Well, let's start by saying what maybe was the purpose of Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Let's go there. Because uh, uh, we want to start with our Lord and Savior that walked the earth. Uh, did he have a purpose? Of course he had a purpose. You know his purpose. He had a purpose. Let's look at one of those he has here in verse 8 of 1 John chapter Three, And it says here, the one who continues to practice sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. Oh, my, Jesus had a purpose. Do you know your purpose? He said that, the Son of God appeared, or the King James said, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That means to be viewed, to appear for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good thing. It's talking about sin. We're not, we're not in bondage to sin any longer. Christ has set us free. Whom Christ has set free is free indeed. We don't have to be in bondage to sin. Now, Jesus had this purpose. I said, wow. Wow. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Let's go to another place here. Let's go to Hebrews. Let's go there. Chapter 12. 1, 2, and 3. Let's go there. Because we'll see a little bit more. Because Jesus, when he walked, he's our example. We want to look at him and say, Jesus, what were you? What were you doing here? I, I need to glean from this. I have to walk this walk that you walked because the word says so. I need to walk even as he walked. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So he's telling us that we need to do this. God has given us a race to run. We need to run this race. We don't need to be entangled with the affairs of this life, another verse says. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's our example. So we're looking to him today. Jesus, what, how did you walk this thing? How did you do this thing? The author and perfecter of our faith for, he said, who for the joy, for the joy set before him endured the cross. 
despising the shame, and will have sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see and we know that Jesus was sent to redeem us. We know that. And so for the joy that was set before him, he lived a perfect life. He died for us. He rose again for us. He went through everything that he went through to redeem mankind so we all be together worshiping the Father in heaven. He was the one, the instrument that God used to do this. And for that joy that set before him, that joy, that purpose, he endured the cross, even though he despised the shame. I said, oh, oh, oh. His purpose was set before him. That purpose was a joyful purpose. And so it enabled him to endure even the cross, even separation from the Father for a time. Father, 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 why have thou forsaken me? Even for the time, he endured that for the joy that was set before him, his purpose. When we don't know our purpose, we can't endure When we don't know our purpose, we can't have joy in the midst of our circumstances. And I say that the church of the living God, I say Cornerstone, the call-out assembly here, that we call ourselves Cornerstone, we are the church, not the buildings, we are the church, we are the call-out assembly, and we need to know our purpose. How are we going to endure? How are we going to have joy in the midst of our circumstances when we don't know our purpose? If our purpose is on the wrong things, we're going to definitely not be able to have joy. Suppose my purpose, when I was coaching, suppose my purpose was to win every game. Well, suppose I lost one. See, now... I can't have joy because I didn't achieve my purpose. My purpose was to win again. Well, suppose my purpose was to win the championship. Well, suppose I didn't win the championship. Then I won't have joy because I didn't fulfill my purpose. Uh, suppose my purpose was to be one of the best Christian coaches in Virginia, which it was. And then I get fired from coaching. Oh, I'm, I'm, what, what am I going to do now? I don't, my purpose is gone. So I can't have joy because my purpose is in things of the world that God hasn't said that's your purpose. My purpose and your purpose has to be something bigger than you. It has to be a, 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 a spiritual thing. It can't be a, just a, a, a thing of the world. It can't be just anything that's going to mess up just because it doesn't happen. It can't be. Jesus' purpose was not that. It was not that. And we can look at, and we're going to be looking at Paul, the Apostle Paul. Do you think his purpose was in making tents? No. He was a tent maker, wasn't he? What kind of tent maker was he? How many tents did he make? How many super tents did he make? You don't know, do you? I don't know either because it's not recorded. Why not? It's not important, right? That wasn't his purpose. That wasn't his purpose. We have to understand that, that we have to kind of get a, a grip on these things because if we don't get a grip on our purpose, we'll be floundering a lot. 
We'll be flying on a lot. We'll be going here, there, you know, this place, that place. We'll be doing all, all sorts of things we'll be doing. Unhappy people. Let me uh, uh, read you about one of them. This is a person. Uh, you probably know her. Some of you know history maybe might, might know her. I, don't, I didn't know her. Um, this is a person. She wrote in her diary back in 1911. So you don't, you, you, you don't, she wasn't your next door neighbor. It says, a, a wasted life. That's what she wrote in her Bible. Juliet Gordon Lowe. She penned those words June 17, 1911. She was born 18, 1860 to a large society family in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, she was born uh, Juliet Daisy Gordon. She's a bright, extremely energetic little girl, thrived on learning, never liked adventure. Well, in 1882, she fell in love with a dashing young English millionaire. Now, a millionaire back then now, I mean, was, a, was a, probably a billionaire, uh, named William Lowe. By her mid-twenties, this Georgia Bell had it all. Youth, beauty, wealth, education, love. Everything that the world said that would be so nice to have. About a year before her marriage to William Lowe, because she got engaged to him, they were getting married, Juliet contracted an ear infection that permanently damaged her hearing in one ear. Now, that's not too good. However, she overcame this seemingly because she started focusing on her wedding. Oh, this is going to be such a great thing, this wedding. However, on her wedding day, you know how they throw things, you know, they throw, uh, back then, uh, we know now, not do this, uh, they throw rice. Ah, they throw rice. Well, they said that she was, they were throwing rice. A grain of rice was thrown by, by the well wishers. It lodged in her other ear, causing complete deafness in that ear. That's sad. That's sad. Isn't it just like the enemy? He's always doing something. It, it, it could have lodged in the one that was already, you know, permanently damaged, but oh, it was another one in the good ear. Now, she doesn't have any ear, hearing in that ear and permanently damaged hearing in the other one. Now, of course, she settled in, in London after the marriage, you know, to a wealthy uh, person, and they uh, just started having pleasures. They just went all traveling between Georgia and Britain and all this. All, they just had high society life and all this type of thing. Well, something started happening. The marriage wasn't working out like they thought it was. And she, her husband started having mistresses and all those type of things. And he died, her husband died, and left most of his estate to his mistress rather than his wife. Now, here's a bright young lady, went from young, beautiful, energetic, educated, loved to learn, marrying a millionaire, and now she's at age 51, saying, a wasted life. A wasted life. She met a person named Sir Robert Baldwin Powell, uh, who organized the Boy Scouts to prepare boys for manhood. 
So she noticed how joyful this man was. And she found out that this man had a purpose of helping somebody else. So what she did in 1913, so this is three years later now, um, 51 years old, she's penning her diary, A Wasted Life. She said, I'm going to follow this man, what he was doing. So she started challenging other girls to, um, to help their country and things like that. So she published a handbook called uh, uh, How Girls Can Help Their Country. The following year, she uh, established the National Girl Scout Headquarters. So because of uh, somebody else's joy that she saw and she found out this person's joy was in helping somebody else, even though this person uh, was, 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 uh, had, had money in their own right, they weren't interested in money. They were interested in helping somebody else. And she said, well, I'm going to start helping somebody else. And she lived the rest of her life helping girls in establishing a Girl Scout, Girl Scout program. That is purpose. She found out her purpose after 51 years. And it was not in money. It was not in beauty. It was not in all those things that uh, can easily be taken away from us. She found it in helping somebody else. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? That's what we want to know. What is your purpose? Let's look at Acts 5. Look at the Apostle Paul. I said, God, I want to know my purpose. And he reveals it little by little a lot of times. Sometimes we know it from the womb. Sometimes we know it from birth. We see that in the Old Testament. 540. Um, Here's somebody that um, (laughs) the Apostle Paul and the disciples, you said, well, my goodness gracious, these these people, they must be crazy, you know? Now, here's a case where um, they are really, really threatening the disciples. And verse 40 says, they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, this is they, they, they had a consultation and everything, and they didn't know what to do with these disciples. And so they took the, 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 the advice of one of them, and then they said, we're going to just flog them. And so they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They must know something we don't know. How many people rejoice when somebody beats you? They got flogged. Because they were, they, they were speaking in the name of Jesus, they get called in, they get flogged on it, and, and they go out rejoicing because they, they, they were counted worthy uh, to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. They must have known that their purpose is not of this world. They must have known their purpose is to spread the good news about Jesus Christ that he came and died for their sin. They don't have to be in bondage to sin any longer. They can now be reinstored, reconciled to the right hand of the Father because we are all seated in 
in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. We can all be seated with him. We can be restored. You don't have to be under the power of the devil anymore. They were going along explaining these things with signs and following. They must have known something. They must have known something. Ooh, let's look at 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. Uh, let's go to chapter 7, verse 4. This is a, another we're talking about, the, you know, just the, just the biblical examples now. We, we talked about some other example, uh, this young lady, Daisy. Verse 4, great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. How many of us are overflowing with joy in the midst of our trials? For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without and fears of end. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort which, which he comforted you in you, as he reported to us your longing and mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. I believe that they knew their purpose. That's the only way, the only way they could go through what they went through. Do we know our purpose? Do we know it? Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Let's go there and look at verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. I rejoice in my sufferings. How many people write letters like that? I know I don't write letters like that. But he's right. I rejoice in my suffering. But he says, for your sake. For your sake. Do you think he must have known that he was called to suffer? Do you, do you think he, he, he knew that his purpose was to bring another group of people into this grace that's called Christianity. Do, do, do you think he knew that? I wonder, do we know that? That we are called by God to bring other people in? Yeah. You're not here for just whatever purpose you may think you're here for. You're here as an ambassador. That's what you're here for. An ambassador from heaven here on earth to bring others in. To tell them about where you're from. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's, that, that's it. That's it. I mean, we can rejoice if we really believe that. If we don't believe that, then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be complaining. We'll be uh, we lose our joy over any little things that doesn't go our way. And we need to have this as our thing. And in my flesh, I do, not, I, I do my share 
on your behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in crisis afflictions. <laughs> Man, what was lacking in his afflictions? Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship of, God's, of God bestowed on me for your behalf, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word. Oh, he knew his purpose. Do we know our purpose? It will help us. It will sustain us in trials. It really will. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Let's go there. Oh, this purpose is so important. Oh, it's so important. Oh, it's so important. Verse 17. Oh, when we don't know our purpose, we can't rejoice in trials. If our purpose is heavenly minded and we're on a heavenly assignment, we can rejoice in anything that goes on down here. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. And there was a large crowd of his, his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sodom who had come to hear him and to be healed of all their diseases and those were, who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him. For power was coming from him and healing them all. And turning his glaze upon his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, their fathers used to treat the prophets. Jesus tells us when people say all things about us and they treat us all different kind of ways, he, he tells us that we are even, he says, that um, love your enemies. Leap for joy. He says in verse 26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Isn't that what we want? We want, we want people to speak well of us. We don't want people to speak bad of us. Yeah. We want to speak well of us. And, and some of our personalities is such that uh, we, we try to do everything we can to please people because we want to be liked. And he says, woe to you when all men speak well of you for their fathers used to treat the false prophets the same way. Woo. Wow. My, my. See, this is Jesus talking. So this kind of helps me a little bit because I know that uh, God is not saying some things. Let's turn to uh, Luke 10. Let's go there. Verse 1. Uh, because I know that when, when Jesus met Paul, then Saul on the Damascus Road, and he lost his sight there, he told um, 
him to go into the city. And he said, well, um, he gave him a vision of a man. What was that man's name? Ananias. To come lay hands on him, he received his sight. Uh, and we know that during that time, when he was reporting it, he said a man came and he, he, he uh, laid hands on, on me. I received my sight and all. He told me the things that, uh, that I'm going to have to suffer for his name's sake because Jesus told him he's going to have to suffer. He told Ananias, I'm going to show him the things he's going to have to suffer for my sake. Paul knew his purpose. He was sending them to the Gentiles, to the house of Israel. Uh, sometime he had to go there also. He was sending them out to win the lost. So if he'd been sent with a commission by Jesus Christ, then he knows what his purpose is. And I, when I read my Bible, my Bible says in John 17, it says that just as he sent, the Father sent, Jesus sent me, so I send you. So all of us have been sent by Jesus Christ. As ministers of reconciliation, it tells us in, in uh, 2 Corinthians that also. It tells us that we're supposed to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So we're supposed to be doing something to bring people into the kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's supposed to be our livelihood, doing something to bring people into the kingdom. And when we read the word, we say, okay, everybody's not going to like that, but it's okay. Because I'm called to for men to speak evil of me for his sake. It's okay. Yeah. Shake the dust off your feet. It's okay. We don't have that mentality. And so I'm saying we need, we need that. We really need it. We need to wake up call and say, God, uh, this stuff is not hunkadori here. This stuff is good stuff here. Let's read it in, in chapter 10, verse 1. Now after the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city where the place where he was going to go, they come, he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Has the harvest started getting now few? And the laborers are plentiful? No, I think it's the same way it was. There are many unsaved people, but the laborers are still few, it says. Therefore, uh, beseech the Lord of the harvest, the sinful laborers into his harvest. Go behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no money uh, in your belt and no bag or shoes and greet no one on the way. Uh, whatever house you enter, first set peace of the house. If a man of peace is there, then peace will rest on you, on him. But if not, it will, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking uh, what they, they give you for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not Keep moving from house to house, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat what is said before you. And heal those in it who are sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of the city, which clings to your, our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Then let's go down a little bit. Verse 17. The 70, 70 returned. He sent them out now. Now they returned. With joy. Oh, praise the Lord. They're coming back with joy. I wonder why do they have joy. Let's see why they had joy. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. 
So they were casting out demons. They were healing the sick. They were doing all that. So that, that, that's, that's something that they had joy over. Listen to what he says. I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Ooh. Do not rejoice in this. In other words, it's telling me this comes with the territory. If I send you out, I'm sending you with authority. This is normal Christianity. Don't rejoice in that. That's, that's, that's something that's going to happen anyway because I've given you authority. He said, no, no, no. I don't want you to rejoice in that. That the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. I don't think we rejoice because our names are recorded in heaven. I don't think we do. I, 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 I don't rejoice. I, well, I do, but it's not that kind of rejoicing. I'm thankful. Aren't you thankful? But see, other things affect my joy. Why do other things affect my joy? Because my purpose, I'm thinking, is not that purpose. My purpose is a, is a worldly existence thing, something going good here. And he's saying, no, your purpose is a commission I've given you. It's a heavenly commission. And you rejoice because your name is in heaven. Somebody's already gone before you and brought you into the kingdom whether it be their prayers, whether they sowed, whether they watered, and I gave the increase, it doesn't matter. You are in the kingdom. You need to rejoice because of that. Now, why don't you go do the same thing? I've given you a commission to go out and, and, and preach the name of Jesus because that is the gospel. And so if, if people come in, you need to be rejoicing that your names are written in heaven, and you're going to be rejoicing because somebody else's names are written in heaven because all the angels are going to rejoice when one person turns from their sins. Is that correct? We need to be rejoicing because of that. See, I think that we have our mind somewhere else. But God didn't say that. So I said, okay, God. This is what you're calling for us to do. You're calling for us to, number one, you know, of course we're supposed to be born again. We're supposed to read what you're saying about joy in the scripture. We're just supposed to renew our mind. Number three, we're supposed to know that our joy is, a, is from another kingdom. It's from a heavenly kingdom. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a worldly thing. We're supposed to, number four, we're supposed to be thankful for the abundance of things. Number five, we're supposed to have a purpose, a heavenly purpose that's beyond these, this, this world realm here. Do you know that your purpose can be tied up into somebody else's purpose? See, sometimes if we uh, get this thing wrong, we'll think, okay, I need, I, I need to know what my purpose is, so therefore i got to have something bigger than what I am like this uh, Daisy uh, Gordon here, this, this young lady here. Uh, she had a, Juliet, she had a, a purpose, uh, so I need a purpose. Maybe I maybe go out and start something. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, God, what's my purpose? Sometimes your purpose is with somebody else. You see. How about somebody by the name of Esther? You remember biblical Esther? Do you think her purpose was uh, not tied to somebody else? What was her purpose? 
See, it was tied up in, in the thing. How about Mordecai? How, what about him? See, uh, their, 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 their purposes intermingle together, and you know about them only because they fulfill their purpose. Rahab, she had a purpose, but it was tied to somebody else. You know only, about, you know only that name because she did something. She stepped, stepped out on faith and did something for somebody else, helping them to fulfill their purpose because the spies were sent out, and she helped the spies. So the spies turned around and helped her and her family. And so we have her name in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because she fulfilled a purpose. See, our purpose don't have to be some big flu. Oh, well, I'm going to be like a Paul or Paul's a Paul. I'm going to be like Esther. It, it can be tied up into somebody else where I don't know how it's tied up. See, you think somebody like King David. Everybody's not going to be like a King David. But see, some, see he had a Joab too. Who was Joab? Joab was, was his, his, his army captain, wasn't he? He was captain of the, of the, of the host of the, of the army there. Uh, but he also, Joab couldn't do it by himself. He had some help there tied up in the purpose. He had some mighty men. David had mighty men. They were tied together. Yeah. See, our, our purpose can be all meaning together there. Uh, the mother of Jesus Christ, she had a purpose. Did she not? Yeah, she had a purpose. Elizabeth. You know, John the Baptist's mother had a purpose. Everybody has, they have a purpose, so it doesn't have to be. It's tied with somebody else, and necessarily it's going to be tied to somebody else, probably. What, for what time are you here in Lynchburg, Virginia, sitting here today? What purpose does God have? Could it be tied to somebody else? Could it be tied to a bigger purpose that he has while we're here? And I think about that. I think about that. Because if, if, if you don't know that, what you do is not think you have a purpose. That's not your purpose. So you can, you can just do something else. Suppose Esther would say, oh, that's not my purpose. I'm not. He said, oh, for such a time as this, you might have been uh, brought to the kingdom. And she said, oh, no, not, that's not my purpose. My purpose was to be the queen. I was going to be uh, uh, Xerxes' queen. That was my purpose. She would have died. She would have died. God would have raised up a deliver, deliver, deliverer from somewhere else. Guaranteed. And you would have never known nothing about no Esther. It's, it's a lot of people you don't know anything about. That was in this Bible you don't know anything about. They have, they have, they have people's names. They have in the, in the back, of, back, back of the uh, this study I have names of women, names of men. Oh, they don't have names. They said uh, it's the woman who did this right here, the man who did this right here. We don't even know their name. Not even mentioned. They're, they're not even mentioned. Deborah, the prophet. I wonder. Suppose she wouldn't have. She wouldn't have answered her call for her purpose. Oh no, I'm not going to do this. I'm a lady. I'm not going to do this. Man, you call this man and Barry. He, he can do something. I'm not doing a thing. Suppose when Barry said, "Hey, I'm not going unless you go with me," and she said, "I'm not going anywhere. You think I'm going to get my dress dirty going? Inside? I'm not going no chair. Nope, not going to do that. I'm going to stay right here under this tree." Nothing would have happened, I'm telling you. You got to know you have a purpose, and our purpose is to fulfill God's will to winning souls and bringing people out of the power of darkness, translating them to the kingdom of his dear son. What part are you playing in that? What part are you playing in that? I want to play a big part. We don't have long to live on this earth. We really don't. 
And we don't know when our time is up. So we have to be about the Lord's business. We really do. Join with somebody doing something to fulfill his purpose. And it doesn't have to be something really, really gigantic, something big. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find me a, a job where they're doing big things. And maybe they're making a, a nuclear bomb or something. And maybe I'll be able to do this right here. No. Uh-uh. No. No. Just fulfill what, what, where, he, where, where, has he, where has he planted you? What family has he put you in? What, uh, what is, is this... Uh, the Castro is called to do. You know, so Rachel, you can, you can join with this thing and you won't, you won't be uh, fighting against your parents, right? Because you can fight against, can't, can't, can't Brianna fight against you? Yes, you can. <laughs> Full beat her as she does. <laughs> yeah, you see, uh, teenagers can fight against their parents but not join in to try to help move this thing where they're supposed to be because the Dorses, the Castros, the, 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 everybody, right? Your nooses, the Foxes, the, everybody, pals, the, right? Call, the singles. You've been called to do something. What has God called you to do? What does God call your family to do? What does he call your church to do? What does he call you to do? Because if your family succeeds, you succeed. If your job succeeds, you succeed. If your church succeeds, you succeed. If your city succeeds, you succeed. That's why he said pray for your city. Because you're in the city. If Lynchburg folds up, we fold up with it. God has a purpose for us. Let's achieve God's purpose while he has us here. So we can, he, we can say, we can hear at least, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because I don't care whether you get one, tell him whether you get five. He said the same thing to both of them. Even though they, did, they, they had different abilities. They've been given different amounts. They all got the same thing. The only person who got something different said to him was the one who had one hit and did nothing with it. That's the one that was uh, chasing. And uh, we don't want to be that way, do we? No. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434 847 Four seven nine six. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.